how do you spot the places where fear is holding you back in your relationship or where it's locking you in to unhealthy patterns? That's what we're going to cover in this week's episode. As always, though, I'd like to start the podcast with some gratitude for David, Angie, Drew, Anita, Tina, and Jolene. Thank you all so much for your generous and ongoing contributions in support of Relationship Alive. And if you are finding the podcast to be helpful and would like to make a donation, just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to choose something that feels right for you. Now, so much of how we relate comes down to how we communicate. And to that end, I've put together a free guide with three communication secrets that are especially important when you're communicating in your relationship, although it really works when you're communicating with anyone. These are the kinds of things that will help you stay connected no matter how challenging the thing is that you're talking about. To grab the guide, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And finally, before we dive into today's episode, if you are looking for support in your relationship and you happen to be on Facebook, come join the Relationship Alive community where there are more than 2,300 listeners gathered to create a safe space for these kinds of conversations. And if you're also on Instagram, you can follow the Relationship Alive official account where we're just getting started, but it would be great to see you there as well. Okay, I think that's it for now, so let's get on with today's show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. We are your hosts, Chloe and Neil. (laughs) And I'm being joined today by my lovely wife, Chloe Urban, whom you've heard me talk about quite a bit. And uh, we are here to continue our series on core relationship principles. And basically what we're using is the R, the vows that we made to each other when we got married as a framework for the core principles that are important when you are in relationship with someone. We were very intentional about the vows that we made to each other and they were based on our work with each other and and the course that we created, Thriving Intimacy, as we were really trying to get at the heart of how to help couples succeed. And of course, we want you to succeed. We also want ourselves to succeed as well. Um, If you're interested in listening to the first three episodes in the series, they are episodes number 126, 132, and 145. Um, So that's where the first, where you will find the first three principles. And we are here in episode number 169. Wow. That's a lot of episodes. It is a lot. Very exciting. Yeah. As I was typing that number, I was thinking, holy mackerel, that's a lot of episodes. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that brings us to our fourth principle. Yes. Which is also our fourth vow that we made to each other on that glorious, beautiful wedding day that we had. Um, And the vow slash principle is that we vow to choose intimacy over fear. So Neil, what does that mean to you? to choose intimacy over fear. I have a lot to say about it, but I'm curious. I'm sure you do have a lot to say about that. (laughs) What comes up for you? Well, when I was thinking about this vow in preparation for our conversation today, the first thing that jumped out at me was how easy it usually is to find yourself in relationship with someone. (laughs) That is very true. Now, that doesn't always mean that it's easy to find someone to be in a relationship with. But once you find someone in that whatever, that special sauce, that little <laughs> magical click happens and you're you're in the circuit with each other, then you're in it. There, That's, I think, one of the things that characterizes most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the very beginning of a relationship is that it just unfolds naturally. The process, though, of deepening your relationship and staying together and staying connected over time where you don't get stuck, where you don't get stuck in staleness or in problems, um, where you're able to go deeper and deeper and transform, that is what, to me, is intimacy. Intimacy is a process, an ever-deepening process of knowing each other more deeply, knowing each other's truth more deeply. And um, and that deepening intimacy is what allows us to also deepen our trust in each other, to uncover the things that are obstacles to deeper connection with each other, and to uh, to get through those obstacles and experience greater joy and connection. And I think we've experienced that a bunch, right? Where um, things have been going great and then they start to not go great or <laughs> get tense or, or con- contracted. We never have that. We, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I do appreciate the universe that you're living in right now, but – of course, we want to give everyone the sense that this that I'm, there's reality on I'm this. I'm completely joking, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's reality here, which is things can be awesome and then things can kind of suck at times. Yeah. And so what we've learned is not to take the suckiness as a sign that everything is horrible and that we're doomed, but as a sign that it's time to move through something or to take something on. Uh, that helps us get even more connected to each other to to build the intimacy. So I know I'm talking about intimacy as like a noun, like it's a thing, and like it's a process, a verb. And hopefully I'm not confusing you. Hopefully you're getting a sense that it is kind of a multidimensional word that's really important to succeeding in relationship. Um, and then when it comes to this vow of choosing intimacy over fear – The truth is that I think most of the time when we get stuck in relationship, it's typically because 
there's something about our fear or our partner's fear that's getting in the way of being in the moment with each other. And there's a risk involved. There's a risk that that's required to be taken when you find yourself in a place where you're stuck. Because the stuckness usually happens because you're repeating something over and over again. And so in order to stop repeating it, you have to be willing to do something different. And even that doing something different in, in any of us can cause fear because we're breaking from the norm. And you don't, when you, when you do something different, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. And I think that's the biggest irony is that a lot of people choose what they know. They'd rather choose to do the same thing over and over again, or to just try harder at the same thing. Um, but knowing that the results are somewhat predictable, um, you have to take a risk if you want a different result. And, you know, I'm talking about stuck places, but this is, I think, also true where you want to really thrive, where you're not even necessarily stuck, but to accelerate or to amplify a joyous moment, that also sometimes requires risk, requires facing fear. And so for me personally, and Chloe, I hope you're you got something really profound oh, to say after I'm this. I'm ready. Okay, good. But for me personally, um, this vow and this principle of choosing intimacy over fear is all about a commitment that I have to recognizing when my fear is standing in the way of deepening our connection, whether it's my fear of being vulnerable, my fear of being in my truth, my fear of hearing your truth, my fear of being uh, in the soup together and not necessarily knowing what's going to happen and being willing to be in that unpredictable space to say, you know what, even though I feel that fear, I'm going to move through it because the intimacy that we get to create on the other side of it is, is worth facing the fear. It requires courage. It does require courage. Lots of it, actually. And I really love what you were saying. And it's so interesting because there's so many different places to take this. I think for both of us, we value so much um, intimacy. And even though that can be really terrifying, as you were just speaking about, to me, intimacy is something that's really required to actually have a deeply fulfilling and thriving relationship. And I think actually a lot of people don't have deep intimacy in their relationships, even if they've been together 30 years. Like who, you know, who really takes the time and who has the courage to fully share all of their, their truths, even if they're terrifying to share. You know, I think that's one of one of the pieces here around really being willing to be seen, to to share, to see the other person, 
you might be terrified to share because you're actually terrified of what might come back at you. You know, you were saying that like the, the fear of sharing yourself, but also the fear of what might actually come out of the other person's mouth and that you might actually have to be in a dance of like, whoa, their truth right now is actually really uncomfortable for me and then how to work through it. To me, this vow is just like absolutely paramount and so important. It, it as you were saying, requires really stepping into to being vulnerable and it requires us to kind of work with our brains a little bit and to be willing, like fear. It's Fear really comes from that primal space of protection, of, um, you know, working with our, our, basically our, you know, survival brain and what that brings up for us. And it's so interesting and can be so distorted in a lot of ways. You know, we, we have these fears uh, around giving and receiving love or around being seen or seeing others clearly or being abandoned or, even being safe with a person. You know, it may be, for me, safety has always been a big piece in my life because of my past and actually places where I actually wasn't safe in relationship or in in sexual connections or um, to really even my parents were amazing and yet every parent has their moments of not being amazing. And even if it's just like, I got to go to work and I can't be with you right now. There's a way in which we can internalize. And then that trauma shows up in all these different ways. And so for me, this, this piece here of choosing intimacy over fear, it's really like, how do we overcome our traumas, overcome our survival brain around like, is it actually safe for me to be me? Is that actually safe in this moment for me to share my deepest, you know, heartache or my, my, my actually my deepest desires and will they be received? And if they're not, how are we going to work through it? And do I have trust and faith that this relationship can hold that and that in the soup pot of intimacy, which almost feels like a soup pot, right? It's like it, it's all of it the soup pot of, of vulnerability, the soup pot of like what it is that I desire and what it is that you desire and where they work together and where they actually don't. And then how do we come together and allowing the other to fully see and be in that conversation? That's where it gets juicy. And that's where we get to decide like together, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do if we don't match up in this total moment when I'm sharing my deepest desires or my deepest fears and we're not exactly on the same page? And it, 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 to me, the keystone here is the courage that you're speaking about. Like, what is it to be that courageous to, to, to show up that fully together, to really want to be seen, held, loved, all of it, and then to really want to show up f- for that in your partner. Right, right. And I really want us to um, to give a practice for you listening mm. so that you can start to tune in 
to those places where maybe fear is holding you back or getting in the way and recognize them so that you can make the conscious choice. Because so much of the vow that we made and the principle that we're uh, illustrating here is about taking something that you might just take for granted. Well, of course, I'm in a relationship. I'm choosing intimacy over fear, right? <laughs> but when it really comes down to it, is that true? Are you making that choice in your day-to-day -day life? Right. Or are you sort of on autopilot? Right. And I think we go in and out of autopilot a lot. And there are moments where it's like, whoa, 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 we've been on autopilot about this thing for months. How did that happen? Because we are, we want consciousness in this relationship. And yet, you know, we get busy or these things happen, or we actually didn't realize that that fear was running us in that moment. And, and so it's just, it's so important to continually like keep looking. Yeah. One thing that really comes up around like having a practice for me is, um, what is it to notice your patterning when you begin to want to hide your vulnerability? Like, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, what are a, your patterns? Level, what are sense, your patterns? But... Like, where are your um, sort of your, your ways of hiding your vulnerability, of hiding from the deeper um, grief or yearning or desire or joy or whatever it is. Like, what is it that shows up in you? For instance, you know this well, this is mine. <laughs> this is one of my big patterns is getting like edgy, kind of like um, agitated. I get like all of a sudden I start feeling like my heart starts to race a little bit more and I get a little like sharp. I can, I can kind of be, um, a little critical. <laughs> <laughs> I can be critical. I can also, um, it might be self-critical or towards Neil or towards a situation. Um, it can, it just, it, that's, that's when I know, like if I were to actually stop and instead of acting on that edge and going there, if I stop and I'm like, wait a second, what's underneath this? Like what's actually going on here? And getting curious, which of course is what we are always talking about, the importance of curiosity, but like, oh, I'm going to that habit, that pattern, that place where I'm actually hiding the deeper thing here. And sometimes what I've noticed is that when I go under, there's grief, sure, there's um, yearning, there's longing, there's desire. It might be that I'm absolutely terrified of sharing with Neil what I actually want. Or I'm actually terrified because I don't know what I want. And it's like very vulnerable for me to admit that I'm actually scared to know what I want and actually speak it fully. There are all, it's, it's fascinating when you actually catch yourself in a pattern like that and go under a little bit, couple layers under and see, whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is so not what I thought it was. Or that so has nothing to do with you right now and actually has everything to do with, you know, my fear or, or trauma patterns or habits or actually being really uncomfortable to 
speak my needs because somehow I've made it that I'm, I'm not allowed to have needs or I'm not allowed to have wants and or desires or that they're not important. And then I'm going against myself. So there's all the, there's many, 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 many things it could be, but really what comes up is like, okay, fine. Really start to look at yourself over this week. Like, what is it that makes you go into the patterns? And Neil has something to say here. Yeah, I have something vulnerable to share. <laughs> he has something vulnerable to it, share. This is vulnerable because you are so clearly on a roll here, and I'm so hesitant to interrupt you. And yet, this is the time in the show when we need to mention our amazing sponsors <laughs> who are helping us produce Relationship Alive week after week so that we can be here with you week after week. And so let's just take a moment to talk about our sponsors, and then we will continue giving you the process for how to tune in to where you are maybe choosing fear instead of intimacy. And, and I'm going to breathe right now, <laughs> <laughs> knowing that just because he interrupted me, that it's okay, and that this is not personal, and that what I have to say is of value. <sighs> <sighs> Okay, we'll be right back. Our first sponsor this week is Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in the world. And they have a special offer for you as a Relationship Alive listener. One way that you can change things up in your relationship and break the patterns that you have is literally to change the language that you're using to communicate. And it's definitely a fun activity to do together with your partner or in your family. With Babbel, you can learn Spanish, French, Italian, Russian, Swedish, Danish, and more. As I've been mentioning over the past few weeks, my son and I decided that we would learn a language together, and we picked Italian, although recently we switched to Danish. I'm still working on my Danish, so I'm not going to try to practice it here. Babel's lessons are designed to get you speaking confidently in your new language and actually remembering what you learn. And so far, I'm super impressed with their approach. Their lessons are crafted by language learning experts voiced by native speakers using real life situations. And they use several different methods to help you learn the language, which really helps make it stick. So while I'm looking forward to our trip to Europe at some point where we can try out all of the languages that we're working on, for the moment, I'm really just enjoying the chance to stretch my mind, my tongue, and to find new ways of saying important things to the ones I love, like te amo to you, Chloe. To learn a language you've always wanted to learn, go to babbel.com and use the offer code ALIVE to get 50% off your first three months. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com, offer code ALIVE for 50% off your first three months. And grazie to the folks at babbel.com for your support of this week's episode of Relationship Alive. Now, along with Babbel, we also have a second sponsor for this week's episode, and their name is James Avery Artisan Jewelry. Gifts from James Avery help 
you tell your story, the story of your relationship, one that you and your loved one will remember for years to come. Here we are in the holiday season, and our second sponsor is all about creating memorable gifts and enormous smiles. Some smiles are wide and full of warmth. Some reach all the way up to your eyes, and some are so bright that they can light up an entire room. But the smile tells a story. It tells a story about the gift, about you, about the one you love, about your relationship. And this week's sponsor is James Avery Artisan Jewelry, who are all about helping you tell your story with memorable gifts that you'll be able to talk about and enjoy for years to come. You'll see your partner smile when they open the coral box from James Avery, and you'll be able to share in the memory of the experience of getting that gift every time that they wear that special something that you got for them. James Avery also sources their gemstones responsibly, something that's really important to me and Chloe as we make choices about the jewelry that we're getting. So this holiday season, you have some smiles to look forward to. You can find James Avery Artisan Jewelry in their shops, in many Dillard's stores, and online at jamesavery.com. And thank you, James Avery, for supporting smiles and relationships by sponsoring this episode of Relationship Alive. Okay, thank you again to Babel and James Avery for making this episode possible. And when we left off, Chloe was getting really passionate about this practice for first exploring what your patterns are. Can you identify the ways, that the things that you launch into? She was saying that for her, it's getting kind of edgy, um, maybe critical of herself or of others. Uh, for me, it's probably more akin to like, these are the times when I start to check out or want to just do something else, or maybe I shut down, maybe I start to get kind of sleepy. Um, these are some of the things that happen for me, because I think when I start to get to my fear edge, I tend to dissociate a little bit more rather than necessarily leaning in. Um, right. You almost have the more flight pattern, whereas I have the fight pattern. Right. Which is just, you know, normal with the brain. Usually you go to one or the other. Right. And it, it actually hasn't always been that way for us. Um, there, I think earlier in our relationship, uh, you had more of the, uh, the flight pattern. Yeah. And I was more of the fight pattern. Yeah. Um, and when we're talking about fight or flight, and of course there's also freeze, we're talking about the ways that our biology uh, is programmed to handle the experience of fear. Right. So when Chloe was talking about your primal brain, the, um, the need to feel safe, the need to feel seen, the need to feel like you're not being abandoned, the need to feel love, all of those things, if they get triggered because you're not feeling those things, then it's going to send you into... Uh, into a fear pattern. So this identifying what it, what is it that you do that you keep bumping your head up against, that's a sign that in this stuck place, 
you're resorting to automatic behavior instead of being in choice, being in creativity. And if you've been listening to the podcast a while, you know that being in choice and creativity, that's the sign that you're in the frontal part of your brain. And you can only be in the prefrontal cortex if you are not in this triggered state. So Chloe, how do we, once once we identify, oh yeah, this is the thing I do, or this is the place where we're stuck. This is the the loop that we get in. Mm-hmm. Then how do you shift that so that you can actually, you have, you have a way of getting unstuck or even like mm-hmm. when I'm imagining it, it's almost like, like you can see kind of a record in a groove, like just if you, for all of you, hopefully you know what records are, <laughs> but um, like it's just spinning and spinning, but it's not actually um, changing. And you almost have to like nudge it sometimes to get mm-hmm. it to jump into a new track. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what are some ways to shift the pattern within? Yeah. Um, so a couple things I would say. The first thing is just just stopping for a minute, like actually pausing and then getting really curious. And a question that I might ask myself would be something like, if this feeling or this um, contraction isn't what I think it is, then what else could it be? Because then you're really setting the stage for, for you to get curious in yourself of like, whoa, if for me, like if this edginess or, or um, uh, anxious tension I'm feeling in my body wasn't what I thought it was, like what else would it be? all of a sudden it opens up this whole other realm of possibility. Like, for instance, it might be, I mean, there's so many actually <laughs> opportunities just in this last week to talk about, but there, f- for instance, it might just be like, whoa, I'm starting to get edgy or antsy or feeling um, really agitated. Like, what is going on here? You know, one instance I'm thinking about was actually I just needed to – a cry and it actually had nothing to do with what Neil or the kids were saying or doing. And yet it was like, Oh my gosh, I'm actually, you know, my, my, my friend might be sick and I need to, I just need to cry for a minute. Like there's a fear there that there's some grief. There's something that has nothing to do with this particular situation. And yet I'm trying to go on with my life and, and just pretend like nothing's really under there where there's there's grief or f- or fear but fear in a different way like fear that has nothing to do with this situation and it's actually an unexpressed emotion under there for myself another situation might be that like oh whoa I- i'm actually really just wanting to connect with you right now i just want to hug and instead of just knowing that i can ask for that and trusting myself to know that that's what I want, like I'm going to agitation. And like, what if I could just stop and be like, hey, babe, I'm actually feeling a little vulnerable right now and a little disconnected. And I, I, could we, could, could I have a hug or could you hold me? And just being willing to be in that vulnerability. There are so many, so many, so many things it could be. And yet if we're just going to our fight or flight pattern 
or freeze pattern and and not getting underneath what's going on like the pattern won't change and then and then you're really robbing yourself of intimacy so often what we're responding to isn't even what's really happening in the moment it's our story about what's happening <laughs> And so as I'm listening to you talk about some some instances from the past week, yeah, I'm thinking about how easy, especially as we start to veer into our the the fear part of our brain, it's really easy to start misinterpreting everything that's right. going on and seeing it through the lens of our fear. So what you mentioned Chloe is a perfect example of you know, feeling your agitation and being willing to ask, like, what else could this be? Getting at, like, oh, what I really want, what I really want right now is to connect and then risking the vulnerability of asking for connection. And hopefully, uh, your, your lucky husband <laughs> is there to provide you with that connection. Right. And even there, like if it's not the right time or he's actually not, she or she isn't feeling it or they aren't feeling it, there's a place here, an opportunity of creating real safety with the intimate container there of like, you know, babe, actually I, I, I'm not available to fully show up in this hug right now or to hold you right now, but I, I can, I, I want to give that to you, but can we do it in 10 minutes? I just need to get in the right frame of mind, or I actually need to write this email that's going to be totally taking me away from being present so that you're, you're honoring the request and you're being, and you're creating safety to receive a request or vice versa, you know, so you're really creating a place where you're not just like giving over if it really doesn't feel right to you in that moment, but you're honoring and and showing up for, I'm going to show up for that when I can here. And then you get to play in the, in the soup pot of intimacy and vulnerability and seeing how you can both work with what's happening there. Yeah. I like how that soup pot, like we, we keep mentioning that. <laughs> like, I think maybe we're just getting hungry because, <laughs> well... Thanksgiving is happening tomorrow here in the <laughs> here in the state so we'll all be we'll all be enjoying or many of us hopefully will be enjoying a nice meal. Um I was also thinking about a a place where this can come up is if you are feeling a little disconnected sexually. Oh yeah. from your partner and how risky it can feel to in that situation to make a request and you know a great way to handle being stuck in terms of your sexual intimacy is to just put a date on the calendar when you are going to be there with your partner and of course that is a huge risk because i mean it could be that with that date on the calendar like that's all you need you both show up you take your clothes off and you're good to go I don't know that that's true for a lot of people. I mean, it's true in the beginning a lot of the time, but when you get 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years into your relationship, you may need more than just showing up and being naked together. 
what you really probably need is to show up, be naked, and be really present with each other and be willing to face the fear that if we put this date on the calendar, um, it, it may not mean that we are making love with each other. It may just mean that we show up with each other and that we're honoring each other. But being willing to step into that moment and make the commitment to that date happening whatever actually unfolds is potentially a huge source of fear for you. What mm -hmm. if I don't live up to my partner's expectations? I know mm -hmm. that they really want to have sex and I'm not sure I will or vice versa. I know, I know that, that I really want to. And what if they don't want to? And so wherever you or your partner falls in that spectrum, there is vulnerability that things might not work out either the way you want it or the way your partner wants it. Deep down though, if what you're choosing is intimacy, deep down, it's all about the deep connection. You can have a profoundly deep connection being in bed and grieving together about right. how messed up your sex life has become, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and actually it brings up for me, not just the act of, you know, scheduling or having sex or, but what if you're in the act of actually making love and something comes up and all of a sudden you're you're there and you're like, whoa, there is some fear here. Like I actually have a deep desire to ask for this thing and I'm terrified to ask or I actually, whoa, some trauma circuit just got opened and the way you're touching me right now feels really not okay and I need to be able to actually have the courage to say something about it and that takes deep deep vulnerability and it also is a risk in that like it might you know quote unquote kill the mood you know and then how to just be willing both of you to be in the vulnerability of whoa here we are we're in this moment wow it's a little rocky oh there's fear there's grief there's something here let's do whatever we can do to show up intimately and vulnerably here in this moment for each other so that it doesn't necessarily have to derail the whole experience. And yet, like, whoa, I actually just needed to cry for a minute. Whoa, like, and, and, and showing up in both, like, honoring and calling each other forth to be in the intimacy instead of the fear. What I love about what you were just talking about is that it shows that, you know, very often sex and intimacy are aligned. Those are some, those can be some of our most deeply connected moments. And what you were just talking about shows that even in a moment of physical or sexual intimacy, it's possible that there's a deeper emotional intimacy that's possible. Right. <laughs> if you show up in the moment in a, in a way that's not necessarily about the sex that's happening. It's about right. whatever has surfaced for you. Right. And it's not, again, on autopilot. Like, to me, autopilot really feel, fears like a feel, I can't even say, feels like a fear-based kind of situation where you're just on autopilot. You're kind of, you know, autopilot sex. I think we all know it. It's just... what. <laughs> <laughs> You've never gone on autopilot having sex? Not with you. Really? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, there are ways that you might not even notice that you're going on autopilot, for instance. Like, you you might be, 
sitting there and or being in the moment of sexually connecting and you realize, oh, I always look away when I have orgasm. Isn't that interesting? Why do I do that? Why do I, why in that moment can't I be present? And what is it that I'm hiding from there? Maybe it's because it feels so vulnerable to just give over and surrender. And even the act of doing that, if you were to fully be present with your partner, might lead to you crying or being in a state of like, of, whoa, this is so edgy to be willing to feel pleasure, that kind of surrendered pleasure, having someone fully witness me and be there and like want to be there and actually like want me to feel this or vice versa or whatever it is, there's there's just these layers and that those moments to me when we get there together, it's like the most profound and connecting. It's like we can ride that wave for days when when we call each other forth and when we're willing to just go there and not be in autopilot mode. Yeah. So I think what it comes down to for me in terms of this exercise of, of examining where we get stuck, where we're on autopilot, where we're in the patterns, and being willing to ask ourselves a question like, what else could this be? Or what is what am I really longing for right now? It all is hopefully allowing you to get a little perspective on your relationship and on your situation and to ask yourself if i were gonna if i were going to lean in right now mm-hmm. what would that look like and and if i were going to lean in in a way that was also this is a phrase that i use a lot on the show if i were going to lean in in a way that was an invitation to my partner so it may be that you have a deep desire, a deep longing, but if you make it a demand, then <laughs> typically uh, our partners don't respond to that too well. <laughs> I mean, occasionally, if the timing is just Would perfect. Would you just hug me already? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and here, here you go. Oh, thanks, baby. You're welcome. Um, so if you can... Ask yourself, what would it look like to lean in right now? What would it look like if I weren't afraid in this moment? It's a variation of the, if I knew I couldn't fail, what would I do right now? What would I ask for? What what kind of presence would I request from you? And, um, and what risks would I take? Um, these are conversations that hopefully you're having together. So again, you're taking a risk, but not jeopardizing the safety of your relationship. You're always being mindful of how do I take this risk? And at the same time, in the larger picture, keep myself safe, keep my partner safe. If I recognize that what I'm asking for is a really big ask from my partner, then how do I do it in such a way that that I let them know that it's that it might be a big deal or that there may be some more conversation that we have to have in order for this to be possible. Right. Um, so that you're 
you're always maintaining a sense of openness. Always, because we that's just not possible, but yes. <laughs> wow. That was hard. That was really hard to hear. <laughs> Did I just derail you? A little see, bit. You get to see this moment right here. Yeah. I interrupted him and I'm really sorry. And I got sarcastic. Yeah. And I guess where I was coming from is like. Tell me. I was just thinking, wow, this this is really setting a stage for people to feel pretty shitty about themselves if they're failing and failing and failing at doing this. Oh, and okay. all I was saying was like, this really isn't something you're always going to be able to catch yourself on and be gentle with yourself about that too. Right. What I was about to <laughs> say was just that, um, that it, it is a dynamic. If we're, I think like, for instance, we make a vow in marriage, a commitment to choose intimacy over fear, that doesn't mean that we always do. Right. But we hold the value strong so that we can recognize, oh, that was a time when I didn't. Right, exactly. And what do I do about that? Or so what I'm saying in terms of always being open yes. is not that you're, you know, a bad person if you're not being open. It's more like if you hold the value of openness, right. then you can recognize when you are contracting, when you are closing. And and I think intimacy, the most intimate moments are our most open moments with our partners. For sure. So that's really what I'm talking about. Makes total sense. And I'm glad you were letting everyone off the hook because I was just getting a little uh, righteous. <laughs> if we can always be open, I'm like, well, okay, yes, and. <laughs> yes, and, yes, and, yes, and. We're going to fail a million times, and Neil and I fail a million times a week at this. And it's just about coming, like, I'm talking micro moments of like, whoa, that was where I just, like, could have gone. That could have gone a really different way if I had leaned in or if I had been willing to let him see me or vice versa or all the different places. I mean, there are so many micro moments in our lives. Yeah. So this is also really important. And then maybe this will be a good place we'll to stop. Up. Yeah. Um, which is that part of choosing intimacy over fear is the fear when you recognize that you've gone a little bit off the rails, you've gone maybe more toward the fear than the intimacy and being willing in your partnership to stop and regroup and regulate and, right. and then say, Hey, like, wait a minute, we're going like, we're going way down the rabbit hole. Can we, can we come back? Can we center ourselves? Right. Can we figure out what's truly important right now? Right. That's also extremely vulnerable, risky and intimate to be able to stop something that's spiraling right. off in the wrong direction. Even if it's like, whoa, can we take five minutes and breathe? And like, n just maybe we don't even need to have this conversation. Is this actually really important for us to be talking about this? Or are we just going to derail totally? Right. One quick little thing I want to say before we wrap up is I'm also seeing this piece around like helping your partner choose intimacy over fear. Like you may notice like that, for instance, I start getting agitated and Neil might be like, 
whoa, I see that she's going into her patterning and she might not be able to catch herself right now. And and actually inviting like, wow, babe, I'm actually seeing you go into that place. What do you need from me right now? Like, what could I offer that could could shift this? Like, where where could I actually support you so that we don't actually have to go into this patterning that we're doing? Like it, it could, if you have permission, that's obviously you want to really establish consent with that of being, you know, open to, to saying, Oh, wow, I'm noticing you're doing that. How can I show up for you right now? So we don't have to go into that, that old place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that again is a very vulnerable thing to do. So I do, I hope that you have the ability with your partner to, to invite that from each other because mm-hmm. it's so powerful, uh, in the middle of a moment to, to feel that offering. What can I, what can I do for you right now to help you be here with it's me? It's really an act of kindness and love. When you see your partner go into those old patterns, know that it really is them hurting in some way or that they're hiding something or they're feeling vulnerable and and their fear is kicking in to try and hide it so to actually you know offer what do you need isn't isn't about being self-serving it's not about like oh now i'm really uncomfortable because say they're being critical it's like oh my goodness they're being critical that must mean that they're hurting or that there's something vulnerable underneath and how can i extend a loving compassionate open-hearted message that i'm here for them and that they can actually share what's going on and i can show up for that and that right there can dismantle a huge long extended fight or you know, tension in the relationship just by dismantling the pattern as it begins instead of going down the road that, you know, we all know can lead to some really hard, hard conversations. Right, right. I think what you're getting at is that in the end, when you meet a stuck place with love and compassion and generosity then that will disrupt the pattern because most of the time it's our it's not our loving patterns that are that are causing the problem it's not because we're loving too much or or being too compassionate you know maybe with the exception of sometimes when we're just being extremely codependent right (laughs) right 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 but then that just automatically brings the intimacy back in like it's like right there for you to dive into and actually connect on a deeper level and have more understanding of one another and show up. Right. My experience is that it brings the life back into a moment that was starting to become more and more closed. Um, You know, I'm getting back to that open versus closed thing, but, uh, but that's what it feels like for me. It's like, as as a conversation starts to go off the rails, my whole world starts to shrink, really. And that's right. why it can sometimes feel like such a major effort to reorient in a moment like that. And it's that, in retrospect, it always feels almost kind of funny. Like, wow, that was just so challenging and hard to, to like, 
do everything that it took to reorient the train back to the, oh the my pathway gosh. we wanted. Sometimes it can, it's like, I actually feel like that is almost the hardest part of relationship is like steering the train back when like every part of you just wants to just go down that really hard road. And it's like, whoa, it's like so humbling and so challenging to just, it's like steer, steer that train, that ship, whatever you want to call it back into a place of, you know, connection and love. And it can just be so hard. Yeah. But (laughs) But it's so not rewarding. Impo- right. It's not impossible. Not impossible. And that's, you know, it feels impossible in the moment until you just get like over the, when you overcome the momentum of going in the wrong direction, um, then it can feel really easeful and light again. And that's that opening that I'm talking about is it's like, oh, like typically for us, that's when one of us starts laughing or you know, cracks a smile or whatever, or where we actually do just like touch each other or, or hug or one of us cries or whatever needs to happen in that moment, uh, to bring us back together into more, more of a harmonious place. Right. Yeah. We do our best at least. (laughs) We do. (laughs) We do. Just like we did today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love you. I love you too. And I hold so much love for you listening here as well. Um, thank you so much for sharing this time with us this week to go through relationship principle number four. Yay. And uh, we've got, what, five, at least five more that we have to do. We have a mysterious 10th principle that we're still working on. <laughs> It's coming. It's coming. Well, we this came up for us because when after we celebrated our first anniversary, we, we decided that we wanted one more vow, mm-hmm. and we just weren't completely sure what it is. So we're still working on it, but that will, in the end, I guess that means there'll be six more at least. Right. At least. But no rush, right? There's a lot to take in with each one of these, and... Uh, We look forward to being back here with you to discuss the next core relationship principle at some point in the future. And in the meantime, as always, uh, feel free to reach out. You can find us in the Facebook group, like I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode. Um, Or you can always drop me a line, neilius, N-E-I-L-I-U-S, at neilsatin.com. We cannot respond to most of the emails that come in because we get a lot but we will read what you have to say and if you want to share some insights with us that would be great and uh yeah i think that's it for me how about you chloe i just so appreciate being on here and being able to share with you all and just feels really good thank you for having me back on it's always great to have you here